If you're new, welcome. Blessed to have you at Reverence Bible Church. We are studying through the book of Acts, and we've come to Acts chapter 12. And so if you would take your Bibles and turn there with me. There's also Bibles under the pews if you'd like to grab one from the shelf under the pew and follow along in Acts chapter 12. And let's, uh, let's come before the Lord in a prayer this morning. Lord Jesus, we pray that you would bless every part of our morning, Lord. Worship, studying in your word, partaking in communion, Lord. I, I pray that, that every part of it would be just um, coming from hearts that, that have been ministered to by our Savior. I, I pray that, that, uh, that you would speak to each one of us through Acts chapter 12. Help us to understand... Um, just the power of what you have accomplished, Lord, and who you are as our God. We love you, Lord, and we pray that you would bless our time. In Jesus' name, amen. Acts chapter 12, beginning in verse 1. Now about that time, Herod the king stretched out his hand to harass some from the church. Then he killed James, the brother of John, with a sword. These two verses, as we begin Acts chapter 12, you, you find that the, the, the chapter begins as bad as, uh, about as poorly as anybody would ever think of. Here's the church. It's the early church. The church has been growing and the gospel has been going forward and people are getting saved in the most incredible way and the church is tight and they're loving one another and they're giving to one another and they're caring for each other. And now you have one of the disciples, James, the brother of John, who is killed with the sword. He's taken from the Christians that are there. He's known to be one of the leaders. Peter, James, and John, you're, you, you hear them frequently as, as that, that inner circle of Christ throughout his entire ministry. And now they've taken one of them, taken James, the brother of John, and they've taken a sword and they've killed him. The, the, the hearts of the Christians have just broken as far as hearing the news or seeing what has taken place. One of their own has just been executed in front of everybody with a sword. Herod the king has desired to just harass and persecute and destroy the church. In verse 3 it goes on and says, And because he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded further to seize Peter also. Now it was during the days of unleavened bread. So it, it goes from bad to worse because now Herod, this king at this time, and Herod is, is in the lineage of a number of different Herods that, that, that are just filled with all kinds of wickedness and the things that they've done, killing their children so that they couldn't take the throne, killing their spouse. I mean, it's just it's, it's a, a lineage of just incredible sin amongst his grandfather and his father and him. And now he's... He's killed James, and it pleased the Jews. The people in that region are pleased that one of the Christians, one of the leaders of the Christians, has been killed. 
There's no riots. There's no protests. It's just they are pleased that James, the brother of John, has been killed. It would be like someone from here being taken and killed and the community is rejoicing because that has just taken place. And yet this is someone that is dear to us, someone that is beloved by us, someone that is a leader amongst us. And, and now the people are pleased that this person's been killed. And so he takes this as, well, let's get Peter then also. I mean, as long as, as they're pleased with us killing James, let's, let's execute Peter as well. So they take Peter. In verse 4, so when he had arrested him, he put him in prison and delivered him to four squads of soldiers to keep him, intending to bring him before the people after Passover. He's arrested, taken to prison. He's surrounded by, by these four squads of soldiers. So there's 16 soldiers that are around him. He's thrown in this prison, and when we say it's gone from bad to worse, it it has gone from bad to worse. James has been killed. The people are rejoicing. Peter's now been arrested. Now he's going to be going before them to be put to death the following day. Peter, therefore, in verse 5, Peter was therefore kept in prison. But constant prayer was offered to God for him by the church. What an awesome picture here. Peter's in prison, and the church gathers, and they are in constant prayer. The word that's used there gives a, the, the meaning of the, there is a constant, fervent prayer. They, they, they are there, and they have just gathered together, and they're in a place of let's pray. Let's pray. Let's pray and let's just stay up and let's just pray with, with fervency for Peter. He's going to be executed tomorrow. They love Peter. They love James. They love one another. And so now they're together praying. And when Herod was about to bring him out, that night Peter was sleeping, bound with two chains between two soldiers. And the guards before the door were keeping the prison. As you look through this, you, you, you can imagine all that is taking place. Peter's been arrested. He's in prison. He's chained up. He's got shackles on him. He's got a soldier on each side. There's 16 soldiers in total. Possibly some are resting at that time, and there's others that are at the door, and there's others that are laying next to him. I mean, he is chained up maximum security prison that particular time. And he's in a place of, of knowing that on the next day, just as James was put to death by the sword, more than likely Peter will be as well. So what is Peter doing? He's sleeping. He's sleeping. You think of Peter in 1 Peter 5 and verse 6 where he says, Therefore humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time, casting all of your care upon him, for he cares for you. Something has changed within Peter to where rather than being up all night, rather than being totally in anguish all night, 
He's sleeping. Guards on each side of him. And he's at peace. He knows that his God cares for him. But he also knows what might happen to him the next day. Now behold, verse 7, an angel of the Lord stood by him and a light shone in the prison and he struck Peter on the side and raised him up saying, arise quickly. And his chains fell off his hands. We've gone from very bad to worse to now something awesome is taking place. The saints are praying. They're meeting together. They're in fervent, constant prayer. And an angel comes and has to literally like strike Peter in the side to get him to wake up and says, arise quickly. And what happens? The chains immediately fall off his hands. And then the angel said to him, gird yourself and tie on your sandals. And so he did. And he said to him, put on your garment and follow me. So there's two, there's two guards on each side of them and they're incoherent. There's guards that are all around and this angel says, let's get dressed, get your clothes on, put your sandals on, and let's go. Follow me. And so he went out and followed him and did not know that what was done by the angel was real, for he thought he was seeing a vision. And when they were past the first and second guard posts, they came to the iron gate that leads to the city, which open to them of its own accord. And they went out and went down one street and immediately the angel departed from him. This is just awesome as you see this narrative taking place. Here he is, he's gone from, I'll probably be executed tomorrow, to, dude, wake up. Chains fall off, get dressed. Put your sandals on. Let's go. And, and Peter's just thinking like, Another one of these visions. This isn't real. I just got woken up from being sound asleep. And now I've gone through one guard post, two guard posts. I, I'm going up to this iron gate that, that, that fortifies this, this area. And now as I'm walking, the gate just, the gate just opens up automatically. Like remote control. It just, it just opens up. And he walks out and he gets out into the street. And what happens? The angel's gone. It's just gone from him. And when Peter had come to himself, he said, Now I know for certain that the Lord has sent his angel and has delivered me from the hand of Herod and from all the expectation of the Jewish people. And so when he had considered this, he came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark where many were gathered together praying. So he just knows I'm going to, I'm going to, to Mary's house. I'm, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go there, and, and that's where the Christians hang out, probably a bigger home. That's where they're at. And he gets there, and, and what it tells us is just that many of the believers are just, they are there, and they are praying. They are in fervent prayer. They're together and they're praying possibly like they've never prayed before for Peter to be rescued, for Peter to be saved, for God to minister to Peter. And you can just imagine the prayers. I mean, if someone so close to us, so dear to us, was going to be executed the next day and he's in prison and he's guarded in maximum security, we would, we would be in a place of, 
let's pray. Let's pray and let's pray and let's pray. Let's not stop praying for God to work miraculously here and save our beloved Peter. And so Peter knocks at the door of the gate. And a girl named Rhoda came to answer. And when she recognized Peter's voice, because of her gladness, she did not open the gate, but ran in and announced that Peter stood before the gate. This is awesome scene. I love this. I mean, you get this picture. We're praying. Rhoda, go get the door. Here's this young girl. She goes out, and they're just, they're still, they're in fervent prayer. God rescue Peter. Work mightily on our behalf. Save our brother. And, and she comes and she sees Peter, hears his voice, and gets so excited she forgets to let him in. Just leaves. She runs back to, to all the Christians and, and they say to her, you are beside yourself. Yet she kept insisting that it was so. So they said, it's an angel. And Peter continued knocking. The, the, God is working in the most awesome way. She goes to the door, answers it, sees Peter, hears his voice, comes back, reports, and they're like, you've lost your mind. You're beside yourself. Or I have a better explanation. It's probably just an angel. Can't be Peter. Have you ever felt like that when you pray? (laughs) You're praying, but never expecting it to actually happen. You're praying, and, 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 and it, it may even be a fervent prayer, but you're not expecting God to do that. I, I think of being in Mitigo several years ago, and, and, and we had driven, and it was a dusty road going up there, and we arrive in Mitigo, and Mitigo is a place where it's, it, is, it is so remote. You, you, you've you drive, I mean, at that time, we, we drove from Kampala all the way up. It took us, you know, an entire, I mean, probably 18 hours to drive that, that road. And it's a dirt road, and you're cranking, and you you may have a clean shirt, and you go like this, and it, now it just looks like you slid into, you know, third base or something. I mean, just covered with, with red dust. And and uh, and so we're, we're driving, we get up there, and... Lessie Gammy is, is having a full-blown asthma attack. And I, I remember Pastor Dan Gammy, who used to be our associate pastor here before they moved to Colorado. Dan is one of the most brilliant men if you will ever meet. If, if you have not met him, he, he is absolutely genius. He's forensic scientist over in Colorado Springs, used to be that here in Orange County, was a professor at Long Beach State. The guy's a genius. I mean, and when I say that, the reason why I say is you could ask him almost anything and he'll give you something that is more detailed than like Encyclopedia Britannica on the subject that you just asked him about. And you're like, how did you know that? Well, I studied it at college sometime. And I was like, you, but you recalled it. I don't remember what I did yesterday. You recalled all of that. And that's how this guy's mind works. And, and we're there and he comes to me and he's just, he, like you, you, you see a daddy in a panic. He is in a panic. And he's just like, She's having a full-blown asthma attack. There is nothing that I can do. We, we, we need a nebulizer with a certain medicine, and we don't have it. I asked Dr. Juventine. He doesn't have one. The only one that we could get to is in Kapala, and by the time we get there, she will have passed. 
He's like, her lungs have constricted. She will not make it. I've seen her like this before when she's a little girl, and I've watched this over my career. She will not make it through this. And, and so he's just, you get to see just trembling and tears in both him and Robin as I'm talking with the two of them. And I didn't know what to say. I mean, you're, we, we were at a place of, I mean, I'm, I'm thinking chopper. No, we can't. I mean, I, I can't even get a hold of a chopper at that time of night to come and tell them where we're at to get us out of here. And, and so I just said, let's, let's pray. Let's just get everybody together and pray. And he was like, okay, let's pray. And so we got everybody together. And we're like, we need to pray for Lessie. Um, and so we just started praying. We were in a big circle there and just started praying. And nobody knew what was going on. We just are praying. And you could tell Leslie's just like, she's losing it. And, uh, and we got done praying and said amen. And this little girl, Emily, teenager, is like, I have a nebulizer. And I remember Pastor Dan like, no, 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 you don't understand. It's like a machine. It has like a little motor in it. And, and it's not like an inhaler. It's like a full machine that we need. She's like, yeah, I have one. I haven't used it since I was a little tiny girl, but I thought I should probably bring it. And he's like, no, but it needs like this certain medicine. I have that. And it, it went from, from my little girl's going to die to a few minutes later, she's bringing, breathing normally as this nebulizer was hooked up and she's breathing in. And, and it, it was one of those things where, where we are going to the Lord in prayer, but at the same time, all of us are like, no, 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 no. You don't understand. That's like too good to be true. Like it can't be that. And yet God is answering prayer. A fervent prayer. I mean, I, I don't know that. I can't think of too many times in my life where there was not more of a fervent prayer than right then. And we just watched God answer it. On, in August of, of 1998, I was in South Sudan in a place called Tonj. And we were there for several weeks. Um, and uh, there's, it's a war zone that's taking place at the time. And there's militia that's coming in, and I have a sat phone and a radio, and, and there's all this that, that, that's there, and we have like code as far as like, if anybody asks about your grandpa, okay, if they ask about your grandpa, you know like you are in grave danger, you need to get out of there now. I'm like, all right. And so on the 7th of August, 1998, tomorrow that'll be 19 years, we were there, and, and they asked about my grandpa on the radio. And I'm like, I was with one other guy. I'm like, did you hear that? They asked about my grandpa. That means, they said, that's like the worst. That's like grave danger. That's like, get out of there now. And so I, I, I ran out, grabbed my sat phone, called them like, okay, wait. Now tell me exactly. You, you asked about my grandpa. It's like, yeah, you got to get out of there now. Militia's coming your way. you got to figure out a way to get out of there. Can you get us a plane? No, we can't. And I'm like, so we did. We prayed. It was like the most fervent prayer. I, I hadn't seen a plane for since the one that dropped me off like four weeks before. I had not seen a plane, and all of a sudden, this, we're praying, and 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 this Red Cross plane, a Buffalo, comes landing in. Boom! I'm like, get your stuff. We ran out there, and we're like, hey, can we get on the plane? And they're like, uh, we're not allowed to take anybody else out of here, and unless it's an emergency. I'm like, they talked about my grandpa. Like, is this an emergency? I don't know what's going on, but I got to get out of this place. And they're like, there's no, there's no chairs, though. And I'm like, I got a beach chair. I'm good. We just jumped on this plane, had our beach chairs, flew out of there. And we were back in Kenya in 
no time at all. But it was one of those things where it was just a fervent prayer and God answered it. And we think about that and we, we serve a God that does that. He acts like that. He is a God that there's nothing that's too hard for him. Two days ago, I was at my son's camp. He's at a, a wrestling camp down in, in Carlsbad. And Mark Munoz, his coach, said, hey, there's this girl here. Can you talk to her if you get a chance? She's just, she's had drug problems. She's gone from group home to group home. She has cuts all over her arms from, from cutting herself. If you get a chance to talk with her, can you talk with her? I'm like, yeah, I mean, like, you know, if I get the opportunity, I definitely will. You know, do you want to tell her that you want me to talk to her? He's like, no, just if the opportunity comes, great. And Jonathan and I had gone to dinner. We came back, and she's sitting on a bench under the street all by herself. And I went and sat next to her. I'm like, Coach Mark asked me to talk to you. Is that okay? She's like, yeah. I go, I'm a pastor, and I just start talking with her. I go, tell me your story. And she just told, told me her story. I mean, she had had been taken into the trafficking system and just treated horrifically and given drugs. And she was going through all that had occurred to her, how she got out of there. And, and she's gone from group home to group home. And now she's back home. And, and she's talking about all the cuts on her arm and how she does that. And we're just, I'm just, just hearing her. And, and I just start ministering the gospel to her. And she's telling her all that Christ is and who, who our Savior is and what God could do in her life. And she's just like, I just, I don't, I don't know. I've prayed. I just don't know about God at all. I've prayed. And he doesn't ever answer my prayers. And I just said, really? Did you think that you'd meet a Christian UFC fighter today? I mean, they're hard to come by. It's just like, no. You're sitting under the tree. Did you have any idea that a pastor was going to come sit next to you and talk with you for an hour? No. I mean, I'm supposed to be in Myanmar right now, and I, I, I had to cancel my trip, and now I'm down here, and so I'm here, and God has just given you the entirety of the gospel. Is there any chance that God's answering your prayer right now? And she sat there, and she's just like, I never thought of that. Yes. It was awesome to see God working in her heart and, and just changing her. But our, our, our inclination is, God's probably not going to hear this. God's not going to probably do this. Rhoda, you're nuts. He's not at the gate. Probably just an angel. I mean, it, it could be just about anything, but the fact that Peter got out of maximum security on the night before his execution. I mean, and they're going through everything as far as like, no, you're nuts. It's not what, it's not what you think. And yet, there Peter is. Jonathan Edwards, in one of his resolutions, number 29, says, never count that resolved, never to count that a prayer, nor to let that pass as a prayer nor that as a petition of a prayer, which is so made that I cannot hope that God will answer it, nor that as a confession, which I cannot hope God will accept. Here's this teenage boy. I am resolved never even to count it a prayer. It's not even a prayer. If, if I don't think God can answer this prayer, it's not a prayer. 
If I don't think that God's going to forgive me of this sin, it's not a confession. If our minds start out with, probably not going to do this anyhow. Edward said, I don't, I don't want to even count that a prayer. If I start that way of, probably he's going to go bad. He's probably not going to hear it. He's probably not going to answer it. His response is, I'm resolved. I don't even want to count that a prayer. Shouldn't even count. The reason why is because we serve a God that can answer all prayers. And sometimes when he doesn't answer our way, it doesn't mean he's not answering. He's answering according to his perfect will that we submit to and trust. So Peter's outside and he's still knocking. You can imagine this girl's going in. You're nuts. Tells him, no, just an angel. And here's Peter. Still here, guys. The Holy Spirit just in the narrative, like, I love how he just puts still knocking. And he's got to be thinking, like, can you guys let me in? Because there's lots of people that want to take me right back to prison if they find out that I've escaped. Can, like, can you let me in? So there he is. Now Peter continued knocking. And when they'd opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. But motioning to them with his hand to keep silent, he declared to them how the Lord had brought him out of the prison. And he said, go tell these things to James and to the brethren. And he departed and went to another place. Um, when he says, report these things to James and to, and to the brethren, um, it's, it's reporting it to, to James, the half-brother of Jesus, not James, the son of Zebedee. Um, the one that, that Herod Agrippa had killed. He's, he's saying, go tell James. And you see him literally just appointing, this person is the go-to now. Tell James and go tell the rest of the brethren. And then as soon as it was day, there was no small stir among the soldiers about what had become of Peter. And you can imagine that. For these soldiers, according to Roman law, if a prisoner escapes, you're put to death. That's the law. And so these guys are, are there, and there's no small stir as far as what happened to Peter. You guys were sleeping next to him. You each had shackles on you and on him. There was guys at the door. There was 16 of us. How is it that he got through all these gates? But when Herod had searched for him and not found him, he examined the guards and commanded that they should be put to death. And he went down from Judea to Caesarea and stayed there. So these 16 guys are put to death as a result of Peter getting out. Peter has escaped as he's led out by this angel. And God is just, he's got his hand on all of these things. Now Herod had been very angry with the people of Tyre and Sidon. But they came to him with one accord. And having made Blastus the king's personal aid, their friend, they asked for peace because their country was supplied with food by the king's country. So what, what's taking place now is, is this particular area of, of Tyre and Sidon, Herod has made it so that they are not able to get food in there, and now they've commissioned somebody, um, blesses the king's personal aid, their friend, and they're saying, go and be someone that mediates between us and make it so that there could be a way for us to start getting food rationed to us again. And so on... So on a set day, Herod, arrayed in royal apparel, sat on his throne and gave an oration to them. Um, Josephus, who's, who's someone who is a historian, wrote about this particular event, saying that they met in, in this amphitheater that had been um, built by Herod 
the great. And here's, here's this particular Herod, and he has a garment made holy of silver and of the, the contexture truly wonderful. And he came into the theater early in the morning, at which time the silver of his garment, being illuminated by the fresh reflection of the sun's rays upon it, shone out after a surprising manner. And so he's given details. He's, he's in solid silver, shining incredibly brightly in this amphitheater, and he comes and speaks to the people. And the people kept shouting, the voice of God and not of a man. He's hearing this. The voice of God and not of a man. The voice of God and not of a man. He's hearing these words from the people. You are like God. You're not like a man. Josephus tells tells us that Herod did not neither rebuke them nor reject their impious flattery. So he doesn't say, no, 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 don't say that. He's just taking it in. And then immediately, an angel of the Lord struck him because he did not give glory to God. And he was eaten by worms and died. The crime that he committed, the reason why Herod was put to death was because he did not give glory to God. He didn't do it. Think of how the story goes. It starts out, James is killed with a sword. The people are excited about it. They arrest Peter. Peter's delivered from prison as the saints are praying. He's delivered. And now there's Herod still full of pride, killing the soldiers, still full of pride, shining with a solid silver outfit. They're calling him God. He's not rebuking them. And all it says is the angel of the Lord struck him because he did not give glory to God and he was eaten by worms and died. Josephus tells us that there was five days of agony for this man, eaten by worms and dies. Um, Luke being a doctor, he didn't get it wrong. This is what's going on in this man. He is eaten by worms and he dies. Chapters like this make me feel safe. They really do. I mean, you you, you think of this and I know James died, but it was according to God's will. He died not a second before God determined for him to die. Peter gets arrested, and the people just begin to pray. If this isn't a calling for us to call upon our Lord in prayer, what is? Whatever is going on in your life at any time, to be able to know that we serve a God who hears our prayers and is fully able to answer them. He's working in just an incredible way. There's, There's maximum security, 16 guards shackles, guards sleeping on each side of him, bars, a gate, soldiers all the way out. And what does Peter do? He just, he just walks out. And as soon as he gets outside the gate and down to the next street, the angel's gone. The angel did what he was supposed to do, and he's gone. The saints are praying. 
And God is working miraculously through it. I pray that this would affect our prayer lives. That we would be in a place of just hearing things like this and knowing like God is a God who answers prayers. He answers prayers. There's nothing that's too hard for him. But notice this also. He answers prayers, but when did he answer the prayer? He answered the prayer at the last minute. He's supposed to be executed the next day. It maybe wasn't in the, 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 the church's timing as they're there fervently praying, staying up all night praying, but God is going to work miraculously. And may we learn from this to expect God to answer prayers perfectly in accordance with His will, knowing that there's nothing too hard for Him. The other thing we ought to learn from this is you don't want to be against Him. You don't want to be against Him. Why did He die from being eaten by worms? Because He didn't give glory to God. You turn with me for a moment to Romans chapter 1. If you turn there with me for, for a moment. To verse 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. The wrath of God. Who suppress the truth and unrighteousness. Because what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. For since the creation of the world, His invisible attributes are clearly seen being understood by the things that are made, even as eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Um, God's revealed Himself to them. God's revealed Himself to them in a way that, that they are suppressing the truth in their unrighteousness, and God has made it absolutely clear of who He is and His power. But look what it says. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify Him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools. They changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man, and birds, and four-footed animals, and creeping things. This, this applies to all unbelievers. They don't give glory to God. They don't. They want to make God like they want Him to be. Or like an animal, a four-footed animal, or a creeping thing. They try to make a God that they can control, not the God of the universe who created all things. Herod thought he was so big at the beginning of chapter 12. Have James killed with a sword. Oh yeah? Take Peter too. Throw him in prison. You guards, let him get out of here? All of you guys are put to death. I'm putting on my silver best outfit that I have. I'm going to shine in that amphitheater. And when you guys say the voice of God and not of man, I'm not going to say anything to you. I'm just going to take it in and take it in and take it in. And the angel of the Lord strikes him. Worms eat him. 
Notice that it didn't say, and he died and worms ate him. That would be better. No, worms ate him and he died. You don't want to be against him. Those that are for him, the church that's there just praying, Peter who's asleep there next to these two guards, God has the ability just to answer the prayer and rescue Peter and work in the most incredible ways within the church. But for one of the most powerful men in the Roman Empire, it didn't take anything for God just to have him struck, worms eat him, and he dies. May we learn from this. Verse 24 says, But the word of God grew and multiplied. But the word of God grew and multiplied. And Barnabas and Saul returned from Jerusalem when they had fulfilled their ministry. And they also took with them John, whose surname was Mark. There's a ministry taking place. God's word is multiplying. It's going out all over the place. It starts with James is killed with the sword. It ends with Peter is released. The church's prayers are answered. And God's word is going forth in the most mighty way. May we read this and just give glory to God. Amen. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for Acts chapter 12. What a picture of your power and what a picture of your mercy. What a picture of of how you answer prayer and what you do to those who oppose you. It's a fearful thing to fall in the hands of the living God. Such a wonderful, safe place to be, to be your beloved, your child, saved by your grace. We're so thankful for that. I pray, Lord, that if there's anybody that has just been in a place of making you in their own image or worshiping four-footed animals or creeping things, that this would be the morning in which your Holy Spirit meets them on this day unexpectedly, Lord, in such a way that they, on this day, Give glory to you. They trust you for their salvation. Their faith is placed in you and what you accomplished on the cross by dying for their sins, rising again on the third day. I pray that today would be the day that you save them, Lord. We know that you can do that. We know that there's people here that are hearing and your Holy Spirit's just working so mightily in their hearts. Because you're a God who works that way. You do that. You put people under trees on a bench to hear the gospel. You work in such a way that your word, being sharper than any two-edged sword, pierces our hearts and reveals to us perfections of our Savior. Please do that, Lord, on this morning. And may the saints here leave with such a great confidence in a God who is able and willing to hear the prayers of the saints and to answer them. We give glory to you this morning, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.